Well, happy Father's Day. I am so glad to be here with you today. If you are with us in person and you have not taken advantage of the photo booth out front, I trust that you will do that before you leave the building today. Get your pictures taken with Dad and power tools that they won't let me touch and all those things. So it'll be great. If you are joining us online, thank you for being here with us, whether you're live stream or you're watching us on demand later. I'm so glad that you are here. In case you don't know who I am, I'm Scott Blount. I'm the associate minister here at Vero Christian Church. And I have to tell you this morning, I am very proud to wear the name Blount. You see, my dad adopted our, my siblings and I. But you can never prove that because if you take a look at my birth certificate and the line where it says, Father, you'll see William Donald Blount right there. And I am so proud, so proud to be a Blount. My dad was a quiet, unassuming kind of guy, but he was a guy who loved unconditionally and wanted to be hands-on in his mentoring and his leadership of his family. And I'm so grateful for that. When I was in Cub Scouts, it came time for the Pinewood Derby. And those of you who don't know what that is, it's a car race in Cub Scouts. They give you a block of wood, and your dad and you are to, to take that block of wood and transform it into a speedy race car. Well, that's exactly what my dad and I did. And this is the first place winning Pinewood Derby car from when I was in Cub Scouts. Right here. Yeah. This is a true speedster right here. My dad and I took a block of wood. It was just a rectangle block of wood. And we transformed it into a car, putting weights, like for a little steering wheel here, some weights under here. And we were one-tenth of an ounce under the maximum weight limit. So it was totally legal, and we kicked everybody's heinies in that race, all right? My dad and I did this. I keep this car in my office as a constant reminder of the legacy that my dad has left for me. Also, one summer growing up, my dad and I took what we called adventure days. He did this with all of us, but, you know, for, for the two of us, we would get away just for a day. So one time, he wanted to take me to show me this railroad bridge that crosses the Kentucky River in the central part of the state. And so we did. It's 372 feet from the railroad bridge down to the Kentucky River down below. All right? This bridge is appropriately named High Bridge. And at the time of its construction, between 1851 and 1877, it was the tallest railroad bridge in the state of Kentucky, even in the country. And to this day, it remains one of the tallest railroad bridges in the United States of America. So dad takes me and we're looking at this bridge and he says, you want to go across to the other side? I said, well, yeah. So we walked the railroad bridge across the Kentucky River, 372 feet below us, to the other side. It was exhilarating. The scenery was beautiful. It was so much fun. And we turned around to then take in the view of where we had just been, and there was the sign. Not this sign that's on the screen right here. The sign that says it's illegal to walk across the bridge. So there's the car, here we are. We willingly violated the law going back across the bridge. Fortunately for us, and obviously, we didn't meet a train on the way, you know, 
to or from, so it all worked out. I have to tell you that all of the other adventures that we went on were totally legal, all right? That's the only one. He was not leading me down a life of crime, all right? Just a whoops. So when I became a runner in high school, my dad decided to take up running. Not because he wanted to live vicariously through me, but because he wanted to do life together with me. He was a hands-on mentor. He subscribed to Runner's World, for crying out loud. I mean, he was, he was into it. So when I got a morning paper route, he got up every morning and went with me, sat in the passenger seat. It was a motor route, covered 10 miles on the weekdays, 40 miles on Sundays because we had some Sunday-only deliveries in some other small towns. But he sat in the, in the passenger seat and rolled the papers up and put the rubber bands on them to hand them to me so I could toss them you know, where we were going because he wanted to do life with me. I am so grateful for the legacy that my dad passed along to me. He taught me the value of hard work and he showed me what unconditional love was in no uncertain terms. One of the greatest compliments that anybody can ever give me was when they would look at me and go, man, you look just like your dad. Like, Yeah. Yeah. What a legacy that was left for me. Now, yes, this is a Father's Day message, and I want to, uh, to issue this caveat. Ladies, those of you who are single moms and you're playing the role of mom and dad, I praise God for you every day. Men... If you're playing the role of mom and dad, I praise God for you every day. Maybe you're not dad. Maybe you're stepdad. Or maybe you're like Mordecai. You know, we've been going through the book of Esther with Steve. And Mordecai was not Esther's dad. He was her uncle. But when her parents died, he adopted her. And she became his daughter at that point. I really believe that the book of Esther is a testimony to the legacy that Mordecai left through Esther. So I praise God for whatever the situation is that you are in and the ability that you have to have a lasting impact in the lives of those around you. So let's be the man of the house and let's leave a legacy that will please God. Let's leave a legacy that will please God. Now, I know that, that some of you are probably like, okay, wait, I haven't really given this a whole lot of thought. I mean, what, what kind of legacy am I going to leave? What kind of legacy did my dad leave? I mean, maybe you go through life and you just don't really think that much about it. You're just doing what you do. But understand this. We do leave a legacy. All of us. That's just a fact. Now, what type of legacy we leave, that's a different matter altogether. And we can leave it to chance, or maybe we should you know, kind of be purposeful in what we're doing to build that legacy. And by the way, the legacy goes far beyond a physical legacy. It's important for us as dads to leave a physical legacy. You know, hopefully, we're going to leave some money or some property, some other physical assets for our family. We can and we should do those things. But if that's where the legacy stops, then we've missed the point entirely. Because it's not just a physical legacy. 
I need to make something perfectly clear this morning to all of our dads. God holds fathers accountable for their family's spiritual development. God holds fathers accountable for their family's spiritual development. If that's not intimidating to you, maybe you're missing the point here. You're not quite understanding. But thankfully, God gives us everything we need to know about this in His Word. And we're going to dive into His Word. And to start with, though, I want to play a game from Scriptures, because, you know, you can take the youth minister out of youth group, but you can't take the youth group out of the youth minister. So I have a game I want to play. I've got fabulous prizes at stake. Okay? Seriously, they're $10 gift cards to the taco dive. Where else? Right? <laughs> so, so, but here's the deal. If I have spoken with you in person about this, if you were in an earlier service, if you're on the tech team or praise team, you are not eligible for one of these prizes because you've already heard the answers or seen them. All right? But for everybody else, you are eligible to, to check out one of these fabulous prizes by giving me the correct answer. I'm going to name a dad... And you're going to name his famous son. I got three of them. They're from the Old Testament, so I'm giving you all the hints you're getting. Are you ready? First dad, Amran. I stumped preachers on this one, so don't, don't feel, you know. Amran is the father of Moses. Moses. You know, the book of Exodus is all about Moses. You know, when we first read Amran's name in Exodus chapter 6, verse 20, <laughs> they get six chapters into the book before his name is even mentioned. You can also catch his name in Numbers 26, 59 and 1 Chronicles 23, 14. All right, so nobody got that one. That's a $10 gift card for me to taco dive. All right, let's, let's see if we can get this one. The father's name is Nun, N-U-N, Nun. Not Job. Joshua. Joshua, son of Nun. All right? So, there's that one. All right? Man, I got a great meal coming my way now. All right, third one, third one, Elkanah. Elkanah. He is the famous dad of, nobody got this one in the first service either, by the way, so, Samuel. He is the dad of Samuel. We read about Elkanah in 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 1, and again in verse 23. So what do these three dads have in common, aside from the fact that none of us know their names, right? They, they all had sons who grew to be mighty leaders in Israel. Maybe they had a significant influence in their sons' lives, and maybe not. We don't know. The Bible does not elaborate. At the very least, we can say that each of these dads approved of the plan that allowed their sons to grow up to be the great leaders that they are. But hear me. God wants more than passive approval. God wants hands-on mentorship and leadership from dads, to their sons and daughters. God requires hands-on spiritual leadership of the family from those of us who are husbands and dads. 
I want us to take a look at the life of one more dad from Scripture, and we have a few details about him, not a whole lot, but a few. And I'm talking about Joseph, the husband of Mary, the earthly father of Jesus. When we're first introduced to Joseph in Matthew chapter 1, he is described as a just or a righteous man, but he's got a problem. You see, he's supposed to get married to Mary, but she is with child, and it's not Joseph's. Under the law, he could have her stoned to death. But he has determined in his mind to just quietly issue a certificate of divorce and kind of fade off into the sunset and, you know, try to get out of the way. And he's visited by an angel of the Lord who says, whoa, 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 let me tell you something, Joe. The baby that Mary is carrying, that's God's son, and God has chosen you to be his earthly father. So you hang in there and you take care of his family. And Joseph's righteousness shines in his obedience to the Word of God. So now let's fast forward 12 years from that scene and let's scoot over to the Gospel of Luke. In Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 41, we're going to read a story about Joseph and Mary and Jesus and we'll circle back around and talk about some of the attributes that we see of Joseph in this story. So starting in verse 41 of Luke chapter 2, we read, Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the Feast of Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up according to custom. And when the feast ended, as they were returning, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents did not know it, but supposing him to be in the group, they went a day's journey. Then they began to search for him among relatives and acquaintances. And when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem, searching for him. After three days, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. And when his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us so? Behold, your father and I have been searching for you in great distress. And he said to them, Why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? And they did not understand the saying that he spoke to them. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was submissive to them. And his mother treasured up all these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. Fathers set the spiritual tone for the family. Joseph led his family on the trek to Jerusalem for Passover. How often? Every year. Every year. As a Jewish man in the first century, Joseph understood that he was the spiritual head of the household, and Mary followed his lead. And Jesus followed his lead as well. Now in this story we've just read, we see that Jesus is starting to kind of stretch his spiritual wings a little bit. But the bottom line here, Jesus is submissive to his father and his mother, and he returns with them to Nazareth. Now, sadly, 
This is the last time we're going to read anything about Joseph in the Scriptures. And many scholars believe that Joseph passed away before Jesus began his earthly ministry. But before we leave Joseph, let's take a look at verse 52 again. It says, And Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature, in favor with God and man. Yes, Jesus is fully God, so increasing in wisdom and stature is duh. But I can't help but believe that Joseph had a significant influence on Jesus that helped him increase in wisdom and stature. Joseph had been chosen to be the earthly father of Jesus. And fathers set the spiritual tone for the family. So, how do you leave a legacy that honors God and His purpose? We've seen from Scripture that you don't have to be famous, you don't have to be on the front lines, you don't have to get all the accolades. You might be one who labors in obscurity. But as the man of the house, you are not allowed to abdicate the spiritual development of your family to your wife. Ladies, your husband is to be the spiritual leader of your household. God holds fathers accountable for their family's spiritual development. So, how can you set up the proper spiritual tone for your family? I mean, where do you start when you don't even know where to start? Sounds like a matter of prayer. You should daily pray for the wisdom that comes from God to help you properly lead your family. Fathers, as the ones who set the spiritual tone for your family, you need to prioritize your daily time with God in prayer and in Scripture reading. You need to prioritize your time to serve others both inside and outside the church. And dare I say, that should be a weekly occurrence. You need to prioritize your time to serve your wife, to honor her and respect her, and to teach your children to do the same. You need to prioritize your example of making church or youth group or whatever activities are going on to be a priority in your schedule because you are part of a body of believers. And you need to prioritize your unconditional love of people. All people. As Joshua, son of Nun, for those of you who were paying attention to the contest earlier, is famously quoted in Scripture, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Now I'd like to think that Nun passed that along to Joshua, and even that Joshua passed that along to his kids. But we read in Joshua 24, 31, Israel served the Lord all the days of Joshua and the days of the elders who outlived Joshua and had known the work of the Lord did for Israel. So maybe that passing along, eh, maybe that didn't quite happen. I mean, did his kids grasp the legacy? We don't know. It doesn't say. We know that a majority of the kids in that generation didn't grasp that kind of legacy as we read the scriptures. Each generation gets to make its own choice. 
But as dads, it's our responsibility to set the spiritual tone for the family. And if you don't set the proper tone, then you may rest assured that the odds are against your children making the correct choices in this matter. So may you set the spiritual tone willingly, lovingly, and without fail. Now, again, I've just said we can't control what happens once we pass that legacy along, but that does not absolve us from the responsibility to set that spiritual tone and to pass along that legacy from God. Our children are much more likely to catch on if they see us modeling godly behavior. As dads, we must show our children what it looks like to love God, to love people, and to serve others. We must invite them to join with us along the way, just like making a championship Pinewood Derby car. Join with us and be hands-on. If we don't model that faithful lifestyle for our children, they are much less likely to live that godly lifestyle themselves. Men, we will set the proper spiritual tone willingly, lovingly, and without fail. We will partner with our wives, but look at me, men. This is our responsibility. This is on us. And we will not fail. One of the highest compliments that we could ever receive is for somebody to say, man, you look like Jesus. And when we live as Jesus lived, when we love as Jesus loves, when we serve as Jesus modeled, we'll look like Jesus. If we want our children to have a relationship, a genuine relationship with Jesus, then we must model that relationship for our children. Let me say that again. If we want our children to have a genuine relationship with Jesus, we must model that relationship for our children. Because the only thing that's going to matter a hundred years from now is our relationship with Jesus. And the same holds true for our kids and our grandkids and all of those who are within our sphere of influence. So what's the next step? Well, like I said... For some of us, we just need to get down on our knees and pray. I mean, maybe some of us need to start to have a genuine relationship with Jesus. Maybe others of us need to prioritize time with God. Maybe we need to set up some family routines that prioritize the things of God. Whatever that next step is, I pray that we'll take that step. And I would love to have a conversation with you about that next step. I'll be right down front here at the conclusion of our service today. And I would love to continue that conversation. Or if you want, you can email me at scott at verochristian.com. Scott at verochristian.com. I would love to continue the conversation with you. We're in this together, men. May we encourage one another, and lift each other up. May we leave a legacy that puts a smile on God's face. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, 
I thank you for the opportunity to be here this morning and to look into your word to see the godly legacy that has been left for us. And I pray, Father, that we would determine to live our lives in a manner that is pleasing to you, that we would live our lives in a manner that our children can look to us as an example of how to live for Jesus. Father, I pray that all that we say and all that we do would be pleasing and glorifying in your sight. And we ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen.